We're going to begin a little differently today. I want to ask for all of you to please join me uh, in an exercise together. Now, don't worry, I don't mean physical exercise for those who are allergic to physical exercise. But if you uh, would please close your eyes with me, I want us to imagine something together. Imagine you are at the foot of the cross. Jesus hangs before you. As he hangs there, see the blood streaming from his nail-pierced wrists and from his nail-pierced feet. Picture the crown of thorns upon his head each thorn digging into his scalp. The blood streams down his face. As you picture him, you see him push himself up for one final breath. And then he cries out with a loud voice, it is finished. Imagine his pain and his suffering. Now I want everyone to look up here. As Jesus hung on the cross and bled out to die, he did so for you and for me. You see, the Father loved us so much that instead of punishing us, he sent his one and only Son to receive the punishment that we deserved. On the cross, Jesus brought us into right relationship with the Father. He paid the price for us. And we are saved through his sacrifice and his sacrifice alone. Nothing that we can do can add to his sacrifice. We are absolutely powerless to save ourselves. It's only by Jesus. Now this is exactly the message that the church in our text today in Galatia had forgotten. Before we dive in, I want to give you some background on the passage. In Acts chapter 13 and 14, we read about Paul and his friend Barnabas. And they travel to a region called Galatia in central Turkey. So, Paul and Barnabas, they arrive in the biggest city in Galatia, in Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, Paul walks into a synagogue, and he preaches about Jesus. And we actually have a record of what he preached. It's in Acts chapter 13. So we're just going to read an excerpt from what he preached. And he said this while in the synagogue. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, That through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Remember, Paul is preaching. 
to people who had grown up their entire lives following the laws of Moses. People who had been working to follow the 613 commands to appease God. And Paul says this, Jesus accomplished what the law of Moses never could. When Jesus came in his sacrifice, he fulfilled the law for us. And now we don't have to. And as he preaches this message in the synagogue, people start to believe. People are taken out from their burden of having to try and earn favor with God. And as he preaches, the movement continues to grow. And it grows so much in the city of Antioch that he starts preaching outside of the synagogue. Now, non-Jewish Greeks are coming to know Jesus as Savior. And so this mixed ethnic group of believers starts in the city. And then Paul and Barnabas, they leave and they travel all around the region of Galatia, starting these churches. And the context of this letter is this. Now, years later, after Paul's left Galatia, he hears about a group of followers of Jesus who are following every single law of Moses. And not only are they following all the laws, but they're forcing everyone else to do so. Their message is simple. It's salvation by Jesus and the law. They're even forcing non-Jewish believers to follow all these laws that they never followed. And Paul is writing this letter back to them to remind them there is no salvation in the law. There is none. He tells them that they are powerless to save themselves. So we're in the midst of our series of theology on the local church. And this week we are going to focus on this church at Galatia. And we're going to focus on what it means to be a grace-filled gospel church and not a law-based legalistic church. Because just like this church in Galatia that fell back in to following all the laws, we naturally fall in to legalism. But when we are reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us, we remember that it's not by our work. That's why in this passage, Paul shows us that Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. So what does Paul say that Jesus did for us? Uh, let's take a look in verses 1 and 2 of the passage. Paul writes this. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now Paul is writing to the church and he says, you saw the public portrayal of Jesus. You saw him crucified on the cross. Here's the thing though. This, these people were from Turkey. They didn't live in Jerusalem. They didn't witness the cross. So what is he saying? Why is he telling them, you saw the public portrayal? Well, he's telling them this, when I came and I preached the gospel to you, I preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's exactly how we began this service, with the public portrayal of Christ's crucifixion. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, When we pictured Jesus on the cross, did you think about yourself at all? When we pictured Jesus on the cross, did you think about yourself doing work while he hung there? Did you picture picture yourself uh, in the background kind of nailing your own uh, miniature cross together that you could carry next to him? No, you didn't picture that because that would be ridiculous. You didn't do anything. It's only about what he did. And Paul is writing this to the people. But these people were falling back into this natural pattern of trying to earn their salvation their entire lives. You see, they had been taught that if they followed each and every law, that they were going to be saved. And Paul told them this, when Jesus came and died on that cross, you were freed from trying to earn it. That's why on the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. His work on the cross finished the job of our salvation. And not only did he free those people 2,000 years ago from trying to earn it, he freed us today. We don't have to strive to earn it. Now, I love the story of the thief on the cross who joined Jesus later in paradise because it shows someone who's fully saved by grace. Uh, The famous preacher D.L. Moody uh, had this to say about the story. The thief had nails through both hands so that he could not work. He had a nail through each foot so that he could not run errands for the Lord. He could not lift a hand or a foot towards his salvation. And yet Christ offered him the gift of God and he took it. Just like the thief on the cross, we are in desperate need for a savior. And just like the thief on the cross, we are never too late in this lifetime to repent and ask for the gift of salvation. Now, there's some of you here this morning that feel like the thief on the cross. You feel like you've done too much. You feel like you're unforgivable even by God. Remember, Jesus turns to the thief and and the thief says this, remember me when you get into your kingdom. He had written himself off and many of us do this same thing. But here's the good news. It's not really about us. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. And it's God's sacrifice, not ours. So I hate to break it to you, those of you who feel like the center of the universe, but it's not really about you. Your salvation is about Jesus. It's about what he did for you. And he died to wash away every single sin of mine and yours. That is the message that's central to our church. And that is the good news. So some of you might be sitting there thinking, uh, is Paul saying that we don't have to follow any of the laws of God? And technically, he is saying that we don't have to be obedient and we still can be saved. That's the story of the thief, right? He was not obedient and yet he was saved. That's what grace is all about. It's unmerited, unearned favor. However, God does want us to follow his commands because when we receive Christ, we have a new relationship with the commands of God. When we receive Christ, we're filled with his spirit. And it no longer is about slaving to the law, but it's about surrendering to the Holy Spirit so that God 
can create the good work within us. You see, we follow God's laws out of gratitude for what he's done for us, not out of necessity. And we must never get those two things backward. And I believe we won't get them confused if we remember that Jesus did for us what we are powerless to do for ourselves. Now, in the next section of the text, Paul gets uh, into some weeds about this character, Abraham. And the reason he starts to mention Abraham is because Paul had recognized something about the Galatian church. They had two individuals sitting on the throne of their lives. They had Jesus and they had Moses. They had the one who had provided the sacrifice and the one who had provided the law. And so Paul writes to them and he appeals to someone who came along long before Moses. And God made a promise to this man as well. And a promise that applies to the entire world. And so let's see what Paul says to them about Abraham. He says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, and are are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now then, that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, there's two characters in here. Paul is using all this law language to point to Moses. And the Mosaic Covenant was given to Moses, and it had all the law within it. Now, Paul reminds the people that long before the Mosaic Covenant came the Abrahamic Covenant, where God made a promise to Abraham. And his promise to Abraham didn't include any law. It was only about faith. It was not through the work of the law. And it's not in the Mosaic Covenant that every nation is blessed. It's in the Abrahamic Covenant that all peoples are blessed. This is the covenant in which we, the church, are woven into. The Abrahamic Covenant. The covenant of faith. You see, the Mosaic Law, it did have a purpose. And the purpose was this, to show us that we needed a Savior. The problem is we get confused and we think the purpose is that it is the Savior. And that's what these people had done. They had taken this Mosaic law and they had said, you know, Jesus is really good, but he isn't quite good enough. You need 